Welcome to In Conversation. I'm your host, Brett Rogers. Happy New Decade, everyone. 2020 is here. The world hasn't ended, despite proclamations from the Aztecs. Governments are continuing to lose their mind. And Africa is continuing to kick ass in the arts, entertainment, cultural, and economic arenas. And I'm back in studio with Season 2 of In Conversation. We ended last season with a number of ecologically focused topics, and we're beginning this season in much the same way. Sustainable fashion is something that has started to creep into our awareness, both from an ecological and an ethical standpoint. Fashion has been responsible for multiple abuses across the planet, and now we're awake, we're buying local, and we're focused on purchasing more thoughtfully. Regarding the content in In This Week, which you can find at this is in underscore underscore on Instagram, I spoke with fashion buyer Jamie Lee Daniels, as well as designer and activist Lesiba Mabitsela about where they see fashion going and what we can do to be better. In the podcast today, I spoke with Dr. Erika Dachrieff for a really interesting chat and often on an often neglected angle on sustainability, which is the decolonization of fashion, something which alongside cultural impact has a deep economic impact as well. Enjoy the show. All right, Dr. Dachrieff. Hi. Erika, sorry. <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about uh, who you are and what you do. Hi. Um, hi, Brett. Thank you. Um, so... My name is Erika de Grief. Um, recently, Dr. de Grief. Congratulations. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. Um, so I recently completed a PhD in African studies at UCT um, and really looking at, at South African fashion. So what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm essentially a fashion curator, um, a thinker about African fashion, South African fashion particularly, a writer and promoter of of African fashion stories. How did um, how did become how did fashion become your your focus point your focal point, or it, it, did fashion come first, or did sustainability come first, or history, or uh, what was the the story behind your interest in in sustainable fashion? I suppose. Interesting question. <laughs> it takes me back to when I chose to study fashion, and that was in the late eighties. Um, I studied in, at Natal Technicon and chose to study fashion because that was at the time of like incredible kind of political um, turmoil, turmoil, chaos, um, oppression. And fashion is political. Um, mm. Fashion offers a means to talk back through the body. Um, so there were some really interesting um, opportunities in the same way that music kind of spoke back to the oppression and the politics of, of um, the late 80s. Fashion was doing the same kind of thing, so to be able to create alternative narratives. Uh, I suppose uh, suppose also um, a, any art can uh, provide some sort of communication and things like fashion are far more subversive than, say, music because music is maybe more overt with the lyrics, but fashion can be um, more subversive and, uh, and get away with a bit more. Perhaps. And, Perhaps, and and but it's also that embodiedness of fashion. So it actually goes on to bodies and moves around in spaces and disrupts spaces. Um, so it's the power of the material um, on the body. You, um, I, I've read a couple of your writings and, and listened to a few of your talks. And so obviously we are talking, or In is talking about sustainable fashion. And so we are... Um, we're exploring um, different ways that people can be better about purchasing or manufacturing or those kind of things. But um, a lot of what you speak about is the decolon- decolonialization um, of fashion. Can you, um, can you explain a bit about what that means? 
Um, or should we so, think, start softer? I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking, <laughs> oh my god, oh my god! Like, let's let's pull back a little bit because cool. I think I think there's two issues perhaps that need to kind of just be troubled a little bit, and the one is is fashion. You know, when we speak about fashion, like, so to talk about sustainable fashion, I think we first need to talk about fashion mm. and what is it that we're really sort of grappling with here. Um, Fashion is fast fashion, the thing that moves and changes as a kind of global sweep in terms of taste and and purchasing. So mm. there's fast fashion, the, mm. the thing that changes all the time. This season's new color belt is or this season's new shoe is. Mm. So there's kind of fast fashion, the sweeping through. But fashion is also style. It's also how we belong. It's also the way in which we find our tribes Mm. um, through dress, through Mm. clothing. So there's something happening in that space that I think is really interesting um, in the 21st century, the the kind of shift um, that's starting to happen. So I'm going to park that there Mm. um, because I'm going to come to that a little bit. And, And so fast fashion versus perhaps we can call it slow fashion. Mm-hmm. Dress, style, clothing. It's what Lee Edelcourt sort of also talks about, the end of fashion. So, so we've got that on the one side. And then on the other side, we've got sustainability, which is this huge kind of beast in a way coming to <laughs> haunt everything from mm. food to cars to clothing to lifestyles to flying. And only something that's really coming to the fore in a real way at the moment, isn't it? I Absolutely. mean, people have spoken about this in the past but not really cared or done anything about it. Absolutely. So, you know, it's the last 20 years that there's been this kind of awareness that maybe we should be thinking differently, but in the last two years that it's really kind of exploded in our faces. Mm. And I think things like... Australia or things like the Philippines or things like global politics at the moment around climate change, um, yeah. Greta, all of that, that's kind of just made it much more visible. So just, just on the sustainability thing is that there's, there's a real focus with sustainability on the earth. Um, so the environment, the impact on the environment. So sustainability as kind of protecting Earth, ensuring that Earth, Earth's materials or resources aren't going to just disappear, be used up, so the finite nature of, of Earth. And that's sort of the one big conversation in sustainability. It's about environment and the Earth. And the second big conversation around sustainability is ethics. So I think the mm. idea of fair labour, fashion mm. revolution, um, Work in worker comfort, worker safety, the thing like Bangladesh, what happened um, and last month in Delhi, a, a clothing factory fire happened. So the kind of <coughs> ethics, so sustainability and kind of the ethical, you know, how, yeah. who made my clothes. So environmental ethics and human ethics, uh, human rights even actually. Human rights ethics. And then this is where I'm coming in with a kind of third consideration and that's a cultural, so mm. the kind of cultural. And you can start to see it. Um, Gucci recently sort of hired a diversity um, coordinator um, or diversity panel. Um, 
and, and hosted a series of, of workshops. Um, H&M are kind of talking about diversity and inclusivity. Um, so there's a move towards other ways of, of being in the world mm. that are not singularly hegemonically Western mm. fashion identity. So, Well, that, that's a really interesting point that you make because I, I was thinking about... Um, I keep thinking about how do we, I, I'm, I'm not like, uh, I, I think I'm like a classic con consumer that when I look at myself, I think that I have a fairly uh, normal reaction to sustainability, that I'm, I'm interested in, um, in caring about the planet and I'm interested in caring about people, um, but you almost need to make it easy for me um, to be better. Um, or to, or even provide ways for people to show that they're being better. Um, and things like globalization seem to have made it much harder for, um, for everyone to be good because everyone has the same fashion sense now because everyone is told this is the right fashion. Here's Kim Kardashian and she's given you these sweatpants and now these are the sweatpants you need. And so it's much easier to make one million pairs of pants than to... Um, consider and uh, and make something that's more local and more um, identifiable. Uh, so it's almost like globalization has made it harder for um, manufacturers to to be better because it's just so easy for them to not be good because the consumers are are, are sold the same identity. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the absolute um, crime of fashion is this monopoly by the global brands to to own a singular aesthetic, sell the singular aesthetic mm. and disavow or, or obliterate any other kinds of style narratives mm. unless reinterpreted by them. So I'm, sort of take, I'm going to take the Dior sort of cruise collection where they went to Morocco and they worked very closely and they did the beautiful homework and it was all like above board and there was no cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. Um, but they worked with local um, batik um, um, designers um, for their cruise collection, and it was Dior in African batik. But we never got to hear the name of one single batik maker. Hmm. It was Dior. Hmm. It was Dior's narrative. It was Dior's interpretation. It was, and so owned by Dior. So the batik, although everything was very transparent um, in terms of the process and the intentions were um, quite clearly sort of, we're going to, to allow or, or invest, investigate this kind of collaboration. So they fell short at the final communication, essentially. They, they like of, took advantage and did all the right things, but they, they cut the stories, um, they, which the stories are, are so important, right? Yeah, but they also... Um, cut the economic flow. Uh, uh. So instead of, so now Dior ultimately still earns the backs. Off the back of the Bazik yeah. uh, um, yeah. artisans. Yeah. So there's, there's not a real exchange. So until there's, there's real collaboration and until the money kind of flows in, in, in ways, yeah. So there's, until that gets resolved, um, I think that the inequality and the crime that's why i'm sort of saying fashion mm. high fashion is such an economic crime um and so 
there's real need, and that's probably where I'm coming in with this decolonization. Um, so, so the kind of colonial crime that there's one single one. There's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy. There's something that's better than something else, and that hierarchy is skewed towards the Western world. So things that are made or produced or have meaning in, I would say, in in the Australian outback or mm. in um, Canada in the in the sort of native reserves, um, those meaning systems are made less valuable um, in we, the face in the face of European or Western sort of colonial brands. We also seem to have um, colonialized our ambitions and our aspirations, right? That we. So it's uh, it's it's uh, it's like a, an even deeper problem than uh, not appealing or, or not utilizing and embracing local artisans and arts and designs and craft, um, but our whole way of being um, and negates that cultural heritage. That our goals seem to be money and fame more than you know whatever alternative, mm. um, um, and and that that translates into the the purchasing. Uh, desires as well, right? So we want to buy Louis Vuitton, but um, all of our local artisans are going hungry. Um, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's not aspirational anymore. It's almost like that communicate. But I think that communication is changing. I think the, the, the desire to support and appreciate um, local artisans is, uh, is definitely uh, improving. Um, and that's where I suppose that Dior Bazique thing is like it almost got it right and then it messed it up at the mm. end. But those mm. things um, seem to be growing um, at a higher rate than before. Yeah, so I think, I think you're right in sort of saying that there's, there's a shift in terms of where we, where we create our support. Um, and so kind of sort of pulling back to, to thinking about like as a consumer and as a, as a South African consumer wanting to make the right clothing choices um, is get to know your local designers. Get to know your local designers. And even if in in this season you purchase one local designer mm. garment, um, it's, it's that um, economic circulation mm. that, that has such an incredible power um, that keeps that kind of finances within the country, within our community. Um, and so you wearing it, you're making that designer visible, you're contributing to a different... To their design, their CMT, their landlord. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody's benefiting from that one item. Their, yeah. And it, it's, it's really interesting also to note, you know, of, of course fashion is a communication and it's, it's, as you said before, it's how you find your tribe and it's how you tell the world who you are or how you're feeling. Um, and it's also a bit of a, a flex, right? You know, I'm wearing this, or I'm wearing that. And something that I've, I've found really cool is that whenever I wear something that is locally made, um, I always get comments on it, always. Just wow. a, a standard. I, I mean, I've, I would be buying interesting things, mm. you know, and, mm. and that is the point. I can get an interesting thing um, at a reasonable price in South Africa from a local artisan. Um, and people are interested in it. People are really keen because they haven't seen 500 people wearing a Zara top uh, of the same the same kind. It's a unique piece, and um, uh, growing that level of um, interest is 
I think um, uh, a great way of of building this. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost like how do you appeal to a consumer? You don't. Wanna, I, I don't think appealing to the consumer saying you're going to save the planet and you're going to help these people, but if you go, you're going to look cool. People are going to be interested in it, and and at the same time you're also being good. Um, somehow appeals to the psyche more than appealing to somebody's yeah, ethics. I think there's something else. There's something else that's sort of also happening when you buying locally is somehow you understand that story better. I know the people. Yeah. I know the lady who made it who smiled at me when I bought it from her. She's like, you know, she was amped. Mm. She was so excited when she saw I wore this or wore that. Mm. Or if I, if I post something on Instagram, the designer will often write to me, oh my God, I love it. Thank you for buying it. Mm. And that's a beautiful connection to mm. make. And so that's about meaning and that's about mm. culture. So, so when I talk about cultural sustainability, it's about how we sustain our community, how we can give back to our community. It's really fantastic if a designer, a local designer, is able to enhance local narratives, local, local histories. I mean, just, just even Tebe and the work that he's done, mm. Tebe Magugu mm. and the work that he's done in terms of um, surfacing um, South African story um, around struggle, around hardship or around beauty or around ways of making. Mm. And these are local stories. Lukanyo Mundingi, another mm. fantastic mm. designer who's, who's doing amazing work with the ethical initiative. Um, Accelerate. But he's also program. somebody who, uh, you know, Lukanyo is an incredible designer doing great work, but is not supported. Um, uh, it, you know, I, I still see him waitering from time to time and I'm like, this guy mm. should not be here. He should Absolutely. be in his studio creating beautiful work. And that's why I'm saying the most important message around sustainability is buy local, mm. buy local. I mean, if, if we start to look after each other and, and build our community, sustainability is this weird kind of thing because it's about like being there for the future, being mm. there, continuing to be there for the future and if our if our monies are going out of the country to some Frenchman's bank account because he owns LVMH or, mm -hmm. or or caring, you know, so our money's going, so we're not feeding our communities. Um, so it's it's an, on a deeply sort of um, um, local level that that buying local has such impact. But buying local needs a shift in in thinking about why am I wearing local? What is it good for? And it is good for the planet because it doesn't mean that it's been, carbon footprint, been yeah. the carbon footprint being mm -hmm. around the world. Um, but it is also about employ, um, the employment and, and the makers and the community of makers um, that stand behind a single product. Um, so you, there's, there's, there's an environmental, a, a much quieter environmental footprint of, of, of buying locally and there's an ethical sort of human rights about employment about buying local so and you can also start building that uh, building the you almost need to start building the base by building the tip right so you start supporting a local artisan who's maybe not 100% sustainable they're getting fabric and the fabric is made in China but as soon as you start supporting them then they, they start looking for because um, they also want to use local, they want Absolutely. to use local products, local fabrics, um, and local local artisans to help build their businesses. Mm. And so, it, 
that starts to build the platform almost backwards because mm-hmm. um, we do have a problem with fabric, I suppose. Yeah, so the um, event last month in um, Johannesburg was called The Future of Fashion. It was, it was um, convened by a very young, dynamic um, textile remanufacturers in a way, recyclers, remanufacturers called Rewoven, um, Cape Town-based um, company that, that's taking textile offcuts from oh, local I thought they were Joburg-based. Cape Town-based. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, and, cool. And <laughs> they, um, but the event was in Johannesburg because there were a couple of, of sponsors and, and um, um, participants from Joburg, so they decided to do the event in Joburg. But there was such an in- incredible need for South African-based sustainability dialogue. Mm. Like, how are we in the global south going to address the issues of sustainability in in the fashion industry? How can we source locally? Is Mm. there organic cotton? What's happening in the mohair industry? Who's doing mohair? How is it, you know, competing um, with international mohair suppliers? So the need for this conversation is really incredible. So I'm doing some work. So my my mission is to get African story out, African fashion story out. So that's the African Fashion Research Institute where I'm Mm -hmm. really trying to sort of platform South African firstly but broadly sort of African fashion story. Like why is it important that we need to know these designers, Mm -hmm. what their stories are, et cetera. And then together with, with AFRI, I'm working with um, a sustainability platform called Twig, um, led by, founded by Jackie May. And we've kind of identified that there's a real need for, say, for example, like a toolkit or a resource kit. Like how do African fa- fashion designers, how do they, where do they start? I mean, there's such incredible mm. sustainability um, podcast sustainability um there's a uh, an online course with the lcf there's um like 200 page document from the american fashion design council on fashion and sustainability but these are documents and resources for the global north Mm. not the global south Mm. So different communication, different, different uh, agenda. struggles and different mm. struggles. We don't mm. have access to all the newest, latest fabrics at the latest fabric fairs because they, they happen in the global north. They don't happen in the global south. So fabric availability, fabric finishes, um, um, technology for knitting, incredible sort of three-dimensional knitting machinery that we don't have these kinds of capacities where there's zero waste. Um, mm. So if we, so, and 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 there's possibly a partnership with WWF, World Wildlife Fund, as well in this to kind of sort of say, how do you start to build a resource um, that's available for designers and and fashion thinkers? So, it's a work in progress. Wow! So it's almost like a how to a how to create a fashion label sustainably that that we we lack that communication or that education for our young designers. Or designers, yeah, into. yeah, yeah. So it's for designers, but it would also be for consumers, like where to buy, yeah, who to buy, yeah, who yeah, to follow, yeah. um, what's greenwashing, yeah. what's, um, you know, what are the plus of of cashmere, and what are the what are the 
disadvantages of buying cashmere. It, right. It's it's a it's a massive problem for consumers. You know, even if if you really want to know, it's it's impo- we don't know. We don't yeah. know who is. And then when we're told this person is sustainable or does sustainable X, Y, and Z, like I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe you because yeah. I know somewhere along the line you've done something. Um, so, but maybe they haven't. But yeah. we we very mistrusting. I think now. Um, about greenwashing absolutely absolutely and i think i think it's 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 this sort of either you are a sustainable designer or you're not um mm. and it's a spectrum it's, yeah it has to be a spectrum especially <laughs> a spectrum. here right yeah. you know over here if we have um uh, chinese fabrics but we are employing local cmts and uh local designers and you know at least that's the start which helps build the um the platform yeah, um, yeah. what's exciting you about sustainability in fashion if anything um the end of um fast fashion as we know it you see that coming yeah really yeah 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 yeah. malls are closing malls are returning back to to small um street um boutiques um sort of much more personal shopping um the kind of sort of um very very um big moves that are happening in fashion internationally um, I suppose companies like uh, like Everlane are, are a, a good example of of how brands can also approach sustainability and yeah. appealing to people's fashion as well as their the ethics. Yeah. So I think I think the fact that there is this this real sort of idea that that we need to do something, we need to be inclusive, we need to have um, diverse voices, we need to spread the kind of um, wealth distribution in the fashion chain. It's mm. it's a wish. It's 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 expressed. Um, so I think those are really positive signs, um, and I think it's just a broad awareness of like, what are you buying? What mm. are you buying? Um, if you're mm. buying something, what are you buying? And there's a there's a subtle shift in in the new generation of. Consumers who are thinking, do I really need this? Mm. Because I'm aware that there is a landfill issue somewhere along the line, or I'm aware that there's um, cheap labour somewhere along the line. I don't really know, but do I really need to buy this? Mm. Sort of that, that pause that excites me. It's it's that pause in the in the shopping um, uh, moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's new. And the irony, I suppose, is that there's so many um, international, there's so many countries around the world that are clamoring for uh, African and South African design. And locally, we are just going, let me buy some Zara or some H&M. Mm-hmm. Me, uh, it, it's this weird, like, foreign is better, no matter where you are in the world. And we need to adjust our vision of who we are and what we have. You know, you were talking about mohair you know, this is something that we should embrace and, and be and be pushing and punting and helping to grow that economy, which helps grow our economy and it's also more sustainable. Well, I mean, we don't want to be hurting the goats, but mm. um, but we really need to start appreciating uh, ourselves a bit more, I think. And yeah. that is changing. Yeah. The, and so the, the, the impetus of the, the kind of decolonial, we, you kind of sort of started, so maybe we, we kind of sort of coming to that, is, is the idea of, decolonizing and 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 mm. and it's it's to understand that 
there are three things with decolonization. The, and the first is, is to understand the impact of coloniality, so the impact of exactly saying foreign is better. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line of the impact in fashion is, is that Western imported fashion is better than anything local. It's more modern, it's more um, usually sort of deemed to be of better quality, which it... Often very, isn't. Yeah, often isn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it's understanding that as the lie. You know, so, mm. so, and then understanding the impact of that. So it's taken away jobs, it's taken away um, meaning systems, local meaning systems, and imported meaning systems that are foreign. So I think Kladuma's act of re um, of translating the British tweed suit into Tosa knitwear is an act of decolonization. Mm. So it's 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 sort of saying this imported object that gained such meaning in our community was benefiting no one. So to turn it around to start to benefit ourselves and benefit each other. So it's about community. It's about our community and not an external um, meaning system um, mm. that, that ultimately has been imposed. And that, that's, a, uh, that's also when things are designed and made um, for other people in other countries, it also doesn't take into account... Um, uh, African people and African bodies, and and that we're all we're actually a different people, and uh, we need to appeal to ourselves and to provide for ourselves, not uh, be imposing the the, the Western uh, beauty ideals uh, onto onto local people, and just makes us feel worse about ourselves because we're not them. Mm. Um, this this it's such a deep question, and um, I, I also liked what you were talking about about the stories. Um, there's a um, there's a brand called Brother Feliz, um, and I'm going to forget uh, the designer's name. Her name's Aurora, and she's a supermodel, and she um, she makes Feliz essentially, mm -hmm. as we understand them. Um, she also makes other beautiful shoes. But what she did is she went uh, and employed uh, in Kenya, Morocco, and South Africa um, local artisans from those areas. Um, using local dyes, using uh, local, um, um, how do we say, organically raised or ethically raised um, uh, animals, so mm. that the the mm. leather itself um, was, was was not from an animal in a, in a in a battery somewhere, um, and is appealing to that element of of production and using those stories about those people in order to build her brand, um, which is. Amazing. Like, okay, cool. We're learning about this artisan. We're learning about this person where deal went wrong. Um, that we actually know who is creating these things and it gives it so much more value, so much more care. Um, this, um, you know, the, the polyester t-shirt I got for 59 Rand. I don't care about that. And because I don't care about it, I don't look after it. And then I throw it away and lands on a landfill. But if I know who made this, I will probably repair it. I'll mm. care for it more. I will look after it and love it and understand it as a piece of art rather than um, something just to cover my mm. body. Mm. And care is probably one of the key um, sort of underpinning. I mean, de de 
colonizing is often sort of seen as quite radical and quite disruptive, which it is, and it needs to be, but it's also seen as quite um, uncaring. But actually what it is, it's incredibly caring. It's caring for the earth. It's caring for humanity. It's caring for each other. Yourself. In, in, in very different kinds of ways. So you, you, consider, you consider the entire cycle um, of, of what clothing means to you. Um, and and how you're communicating that. So so it's a um, perhaps a really important thing is is to think about care, um, which has been sort of um, separated from clothing in such a in such a big way because clothing is seen as dispensable and and disposable and mm. don't get attached to that ugly blue sweater because next season it's going to be out of fashion you can't wear it to the party again and I'm saying if you love the sweater wear the sweater um, um, and 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 these are there's a there's a shift in the way in which I think clothing is going to feature in the in the next 50 years there was something I noticed with uh, uh, Kate Middleton uh, that she she wore the same dress like three times. I mean, shocker, three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, ordinarily that would have been kind of maybe uh, uh, dismissed in, in, in the public as being embarrassing. Um, and sure, some, some of the reports were like that, but many of the reports were also like, yeah, good example. She yeah. doesn't need a new dress for every single occasion. She can wear that beautiful black dress again. And it sets an excellent example to the rest of us. And mm-hmm. like it or not, we listen to or we are affected yeah. by and, what and celebrities so those, do. And those kinds of shifts are what's exciting is because mm. there's, there's, there's a different kind of meaning system going on, um, um, a different kind of value system, not just about new, not just about wastefulness, not just about excess. Um, mm. But there's a different value system about something that's precious, something that's um, meaningful, something that continues to be beautiful, um, even if it has been shown once, twice, three times. Something's beautiful. Look at it again. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you've touched on a few things uh, throughout uh, this chat, but um, are there some do's and don'ts that you would um, suggest to our listeners um, to be a bit uh, more conscientious about uh, what they wear? You know what, I think, I think an interesting thing would be, like, go to your wardrobe and, like, what's the thing that means the most to you? Like, absolutely means the most to you. And then kind of just engage with that. Like, why is that pair of sneakers mean the most to you? What are the, you know, why does that give you so much joy? Or why, does that, why is that so meaningful? And sometimes it's related to like a public event or a moment in your life or, and sometimes, but sometimes it's related to that actual object and its meaning system. Mm. So it, it, mm. it really is quite an interesting exercise to kind of think through your wardrobe in terms of like meaning to you personally. Um, and whether it got the most likes on your Instagram, it's a meaning system because you then understand that that's what you're looking for. You're looking for belonging. You're looking mm. for appreciation. So it's it's understanding where that meaning comes from. So I think that's an interesting exercise. 
And then I go back to buy local. Hmm. Um, I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, and doable now. Yeah. And doable. Yeah. There are lots, so, of, lots of Instagram accounts of local designers who sell online, sell through their Instagram, yeah. sell through WhatsApp, and, and you can have that connection as well. Mm. So I think, I think that's an incredible um, um, shift. And even if it's just one, um, you know, start investigating. They're jewelry makers, jewelry designers, they're fin- um, accessories, bags, shoes. So it doesn't have to necessarily be clothing. Hmm. But, but to start to support local kind of story. Um. And um, in terms of sustainability, I think it's, I think it is important to to become conscious. Um, there are lots of um, resources available that give you clues and access to 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 this, and and it's kind mm. of sort of difficult to to make sense of it um, because it's just too much sometimes. Um, but it's that moment of pause to kind of sort of, sort of think. Why am I, why am I buying this? Um, mm. And just to become a little bit more reflective, um, and I think, I mean, there's there's also other listeners who um, are part of the bigger brand narrative. So, for Edgar's, you need that footfall through the floor. For for Truitts, you need the footfall through the door. For Mr. Price, Mr. P, you need that footfall through the door. So they're sort of mission to kind of like buy lots just like buy three for the price of one kind of ideologies is because they need that turnover some of that is going to hurt in the future some of that malls are going to close some of that is going to hurt there it employees yeah hmm. yeah and and so the, it's it's not an easy conversation and just sort of say oh well we're just all going to go like tiny boutique um style hmm. Because it does have much bigger impact on on the systems that that support um, um, the big brands, um, from manufacturing right through to retail to distribution to all of that. But something's got to give, um, mm. and but hopefully that you know the, those translate into other other job opportunities. We, we lose a person who's a checker uh, at Mr. Price, but tomorrow maybe they, you know, CMT or they, they're fabric dyeing or they're creating something yeah. special, creating more stories. More stories, absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much for joining, Erica. Is there anything you'd like to punt? Do you have any talks or podcasts or anything that you want to yeah, get our listeners to to check out? I think... I think um, the African Fashion Research Institute is a, a work in progress. So um, we're hopefully going to be doing some interesting work with um, other um, curators, um, maybe something with Designer Daba or the Stellenbosch Triennale, something sort of around curating African fashion story um, and African fashion research. So Can that be found online at all yet? Um, AfriDigital is our hashtag, um, um, our Instagram ta- um, handle. Um, AfriDigital. Afri, Afri underscore digital. Okay. Um, and it's a work in progress. Um, cool. That's probably it, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. All right. So I said goodbye to Dr. Dekhriyev, but um, I forgot to ask the question. Some designers. Who do we love out there? Who should we be supporting? Yes. Um, you know what? I think South African designers, there's such an interesting sort of 
um, series of designers that have been working, you know, for the last 10, 20 years. Um, and we've got Clive Randall, we've got Amanda Laird Cherry, we've got Marianne Fazler. And in their own ways, I mean, the fact that they're around, they're sustainable in, in, their, in their creative practice. Ask each and every single one of them around their fabric usage. Um, it's 100% sustainable fabric wow. usage. So, so if, you, if you've got fabric, fabric is, is precious. Um, and so their sustainability and, and in their studio, their studio sustainability, the, the employees that they've had for at Marion Fuzzler, I think it's, you know, the, some of the staff have been with her for 15 or 20 years. Incredible. Those are those are sustainable designers. So I think I think really recognizing Colleen Eitzen, um, um, Ephemal even, um, um, Craig Jacobs. You know, designers that have been around for a while. They, they um, there's a, a real sort of um, gravitas there. Um, some of the young designers. Um, you know, Sandisa is just really Sandisa Kamala is just really new in in terms of. Um, design in, in South Africa but you know she's she, her work is really incredible as well and she's also um, worked closely with ethical the ethical um, fashion initiative um, in terms of sourcing materials um, her dyes she worked with um, natural indigo dye recently and and wow. and, ha- and and um, hand loom um, fabrics um, Sandisa Kamalo um, Durban designers there's there's Katakani um, young um, Durban um, recently sort of graduated designer working with um, waste found fabrics, found found materials. Incredible. Another Durban designer design group, I think called Rain. I'm also going to mention Lasiba Mabitsela. Lasiba Mabitsela, <laughs> yes, Lasiba Mabitsela is um, also part of Afri. Um, his work is also really incredible in terms of of his pattern cutting, sort of rethinking um, how we cut fabric. Um, I, was, um, I had an interview with him, and uh, which is available on this is in underscore underscore on Instagram, um, uh, about like how he wants to cut things. So there's like almost no waste out of a, 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 a cutting of of fabric, and that's an incredible way of thinking about things. Yeah, to zero have as little waste. waste as possible. Zero waste, and so so zero waste. So I think Lasiva is also really interesting in terms of like cutting for a different body, cutting for a different way for the body to be in the world and, and particularly like an African body, the way in which we move through space, the way in which we occupy space, um, as opposed to a kind of a Western um, suit um, imposed on us, a, a different kind of mm. way of mm. enveloping the body. Mm. So, so Communicating what we are standing for. Yeah, so different kinds of cuts for the body that are, are more about draping or drapery, um, which is a really sort of pan-African kind of concept of, of enveloping the body in a different kind of way. I have a question on that a little bit. I, um, I So over the last couple of years, I've started to be really drawn to um, uh, North African-style suits um, that that men wear with the you know the long top coats, um, and I often wonder about the right to wear. Um, so if you think about like appropriation, so I want to wear one of those suits and I want to wear those fabrics, and 
how does that how does that translate? Do you think in the real world that um, uh, is it is it acceptable to be? I mean, of course, like I, I should be supporting local, and that's great. And um, but you know, so say uh, a Zulu style of clothing. Um, can we all wear that? Like, where 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 is the right and wrong in the 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 in that question? Okay, so but sorry, an, no, 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 important. not explaining myself very <laughs> no, no. well. I think an important question um, to purchase a cultural object um, in a in a context where it's being sold as a cultural item. Um, I think carries with it problems um, because that cultural item is created and made for particular kind of cultural context and communication yeah so and and so quite often the kind of sort of exotic i'm going to go to japan i'm going to buy myself a kimono because it's beautiful mm. i have no idea what it's um colorings or um, um symbology is in terms of, is it a morning gown or a tea gown or a uh, morning as in um, death and mourning um and so buying it outside of that uh, cultural context, when it moves into the realm of design, so a designer has reinterpreted the North African boo-boo um, and selling it as part of retail, it's in that nuance of that reinterpretation mm. of the designer that allows the wearer, it's... It, it's been reinterpreted for the wearer. Mm. So it's the or intent a, of the designer and the wearer, whether it's suitable absolutely. or not. But, but, but because that kind of object is so often only available in a cultural sort of tourist access mm. to, to, to traditional objects, um, that, that possibility for mistranslation is, is very real. Mm. So it's until designers act, acting as kind of translators um, from cultural object into fashion object um, and wearing it as as the fashion object. So I don't know if I'm I'm able to kind of point you in that direction. No, um, I think I'm I'm getting a an understanding. It's it's really like a uh, it's an understanding of what it is um, and where it comes from, why it was made, and why you're wearing it. Um, uh, it's about knowledge and, and curiosity yeah. and uh, authentic communication um, that understanding this this garment is meant for this reason, so perhaps don't wear it. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, it's been designed for that reason, cool. Yeah, so there's there's an engagement with meaning and... and, and Stories, and the culture, and the story it's and all sustainability. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a good second ending. Great. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. <Okay. laughs>